What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the C-String Podcast. This is episode number 22, I believe, um, but it's episode number 10 of everybody's favorite segment, Classic Rock Talk. Everybody's favorite, always. Every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're back. It's been about six or seven days, I think, since we recorded our previous episode, or at least since it was posted. Um We've had some time. We've got three brand new bands for you guys. Uh, so after today's episode, we will have thirty out. Al- we will have gone over thirty albums and twenty nine bands. Yep. Um, but no prefacing this time. No. Nope. We're good. We're good here. All right. Go ahead and get us started then. So um, this album was released in nineteen sixty nine on uh, Fantasy Records. Fantasy is a big giveaway if you know your record labels, I guess. Yeah, if you know your record labels, you you might know who it is. This 1969 is farthest we've gone back in a while. I don't think we did a 69 one in our last couple. I don't think we have. I'm struggling to actually remember which what the last one was in the 60s. Was it The Kinks? Yes, 1964. Must been, yeah, must have been The Kinks. I think. But, um... Yeah. This is Willie and the Poor Boys. Yeah, by CCR. <clears throat> yep. Uh, you probably know who they are. That's how relevant they are. I hope you know who they are, because yeah. um, you don't know who they are, then you probably should go listen to them yeah. now, instead of I would, listening to I us. I would recommend, I would recommend, you know, giving them a listen. They're just okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, 1969, uh, fourth studio album. Uh, this... Might be my favorite album. I think it's probably my favorite album of theirs. It's it's a really solid. It's album. really good. It's really good. That's that's all I need to know. Um, but let's go ahead. In all case right. you don't know, we'll get into the track listing here. Well, um, side one is uh, down in the corner. It came out of the sky. Cotton fields. Poor boy shuffle and feeling blue. Uh, that is a banging side. I love it. Came out of the sky. Yes. Yes, that is. It's a very overlooked song. I love the Chuck Berry themed, the Chuck Berry sounding um, guitar Guitar, in the beginning. Yep. I love the goofy lyrics. It actually mentions a whole bunch of uh, historical figures in it. Actually, it's. um, I think it might even be the first time Reagan was called out in a song song. before he was even president. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it calls out. bunch of TV hosts. Um, yeah, it's killer track. It's about UFOs. Yeah, it's about it's, UFOs. That's you know from the title. Old Jody fell off his tractor when saw one, so it must yeah. be uh, pretty crazy. It must be pretty crazy. Um, but uh, Cotton Fields, another good one. Poor Boy Shuffle, maybe not the most known song from this album, but, but then that's it, still good. It bleeds into Feeling Blue, and yes, it's, which is a banger as well. I don't think. I think this whole side is amazing. It's so good. It is so good. And I got the uh, lead single down in the corner. Yeah, down on the corner. Everybody knows that one. But man, might be one of the best half sides, half albums we've looked at. Mm-hmm. Is side one of this of this album. Very, 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 very solid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, wanna move on to side two? Yeah, we'll go. We'll go straight so, in. Side two is fortunate son. Don't look at me now. I ain't you. It ain't you or me. The Midnight Special, Side of the Road, and uh, Effigy. Uh, I love uh, the Midnight Special, especially on this side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit slower than the rest, 
well, it's already kind of a slower uh, album in general, but yeah. even, even kind of even slower than that, I would say. Um, I like the vocals that they went for, um, and I love the guitar that goes with the piano. Yeah. On this one specifically, there's a there's basically a piano guitar combo in all these songs, but in that in that one specifically, I really like it. Yeah, it's it's really well done. But um, I also love a uh, effigy. Yeah. Very slower. It's a kind of slower song, but that's not. definitely that. Yeah, I would say that's more of a slow. Super song. slow. Um, I think. I was listening to the lyrics. I, I'm sure this has something to do with Nixon. I'm pretty positive. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... Uh, I was not paying enough attention to yeah. the lyrics to know that. In Oops. case you don't know who CCR is, they're a very uh, politically... They were a very politically motivated band. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if Nixon was... Uh, which leads us to um, arguably the most pop. Well, I would say arguably the most popular song on this album, "Forcing a Son." Oh yeah, that's for sure. And uh, I kind of think, in terms of the rest of the album, it's kind of lower. On if I had to rank the songs in this album right now, I think it'd be on the lower end of the spectrum. Honestly, if I had to rank them, you might. I might rank all five of the songs on the side A before it. Hmm. And I would probably do Midnight Special and Don't Look... I would probably do... I would might even rank it last. Yeah, honestly. I, I think it's it's not that it's a bad song. But I think it's... I definitely think compared to the rest of the album, it's a low point. Yeah. Which and is kind of funny. Maybe for me, I, I guess in my eyes, maybe a bit of oversaturation. I've heard it one too many times, so you're kind of over it. Um, that So that might be a little bit of bias. But, again, certainly doesn't take away from the song itself. Everybody knows it. Everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. I just think there's some some hot songs on the rest of this album. Yeah, I do, too. I think I think this album has uh, tons of great songs. Yeah, it's hit after hit for me. Like, just never, never a skippable song here. Which uh, leads us into the fellas who uh, yeah. made this album. Yeah, talk about it. Um, John Fogarty was their leader on vocals, lead guitar, piano, maracas, cowbell, and harmonica. Um, dude tears up the harmonica. Oh, for sure. Just listen to Poor Boy Shuffle. His vocals are very, uh, cut, cutty, sharp. Yes. I like it. Um, Tom Fogarty on the rhythm guitar and backing vocals. John's brother. Mm-hmm. They were a sibling band. Stu Cook on the bass, the washtub bass, and, uh, backing vocals. Hell yeah. I love that washtub yes. bass. <laughs> oh, man, it's so it's good. So good. And then um, Doug Clifford on drums and washboard, which yes, there's a washboard in this song. It's even in the cover art. Yeah, of the of the album. Which um, this whole album was supposed to be, the idea of it was they were gonna go to like pretend to be a poor street band, and then after I think it was recording um, Poor Boy Shuffle, they realized kind of how hard it was to come up with music like that, and so they're like. We'll ditch it, but we'll kind of stay with the theme a little bit, which is why down in the corner they sing about it. Kind of cotton fields they sing about it. Poor boy shuffle. Definitely. Um, Feeling blue for sure. They kind of switched from the sides, I would say. Yeah. And, yeah, they had that idea going. And I'd even say some of the Midnight, even though the Midnight Special is a traditional song, I think it fits that theme pretty well because it's talking about... um, Kind of like a blue collar lower class family, mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I think that that theme was pretty cool. I don't know if it would have particularly made a good album, like top to bottom. Yeah, but I think I'm sure this was out of kind of coincidence. The way it came together was pretty good, in my yeah. opinion. I would say it was more coincidence than because I mean you're halfway you're halfway through making an album. Because I guarantee you they didn't just do like a couple songs and like we gotta cut it there and then do our main sound. Yeah, that just that doesn't happen. Yeah, in albums. So I guess it could have been. They probably didn't expect much out of this album. Like they they probably thought people were gonna not like it just because of the fact that there's a shift in what they were trying to go for halfway through. Mm -hmm. Um, Which fair enough. I mean, they are very different the two sides, Um, and I do certainly think side A is better than side B. Um, I agree. But it's not... It's There's there's not enough there, for me at least, to say that it's terrible in comparison or worse yeah. in comparison. I definitely don't think it has the B-side blues like we normally talk about. Yeah. I think that's kind of close. Yeah. But I think that's only because side A is so amazing that yeah. it, um, it just kind of overshadows the B-side. The B-side, which is unfortunate, but that's it shows how good Side A is. Yeah, Side A is amazing, which yeah. I feel like for It Came Out of the Sky, they uh, might have been smoking something. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I know Credence did do that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all, but I also wanted to mention that uh, my grandpa around 19... 19- I think he said it was 1972. He actually walked down by a... So on the album cover, the place is called the Ducky Mart. Um, he walked down by there and took a picture with it. That's cool. Because he uh, he heard this. He heard it? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my grandpa at the time lived in California. And um, so he kind of just traveled anywhere. And uh, he's in San Francisco one day down in that. I don't exactly know what area of San Francisco that is. And it's probably right. completely different nowadays, but... But I have seen the picture of him with it, but at the time I had no idea that's what it was, so it was kind of just like a... Wow. <laughs> you took a picture. Because um, I think... I was probably like maybe 10 years old when I saw it. Oh, yeah. Because I think we were going through a safe because they were moving, and it was one of the pictures on top of like a stack of pictures, but still pretty cool. I mean... Yeah. Because I think nowadays... The abandoned there. The building's either abandoned or it's tore down. I don't think it exists anymore. So yeah, completely but, different than it would have been fifty years ago. Yeah, so it's <clears> that's cool. really cool though. Yeah. Um, but that that is uh, Willie and the Poor Boys. Yeah. Um, banger album. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely go check it out. Yeah, hundred percent. So good. It's such a great album. I'm I'm sure you've already heard a few of the songs on it. But every every track hits. All of them hit. It's so good. They really do. And, you know, we didn't really mention Don't Look Now or Side of the Road too much. But Don't Look Now, is a, I really like that song as well. Um, it's kind of got a peppy, more peppy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Side of the Road is another good one. So it's just the whole, it's the whole album. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It is an unbelievable <laughs> album. Yeah. And especially um, with Credence where they would, I think this is, their third album and since they started like they released their debut toured and then proceeded to write two more or 
I think, three more albums while they'd constantly toured, which is pretty incredible considering how this album turned out. Yeah. Which means they were on the road. When they weren't on the road, they were in the studio. And I think that's pretty remarkable considering how um, incredible this album is. One of the only bands to ever do that. Yeah. First of all. Like, you always hear about bands demanding more time to do their work and especially from their record labels dude fantasy must have been stoked yeah banging them off while they were fucking performing yeah while they were performing he's crazy yeah i sick of these guys it was absolutely nuts i think i don't know it's, it's incredible incredible yeah. work ethic can't say that word uh yeah, I couldn't could there I couldn't say enough about these guys. So uh, even if you can't can't remember their names after today, go check out the album at least. Willie and the Poor Boys by CCR. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a fantastic album. One of the top top ones we've covered so far. Yes, indeed. Um, but that being said, we do have two more albums to go over. Yeah, um, we do. And so we'll get straight into that. So next, um, so obviously we have the uber popular Creedence Clearwater Revival. And now we're gonna go back. To, you're gonna go something a little different. So if you if you remember our, we did one album previously where um, it was Kensington Market, um, and it was just a title album. Mm-hmm. And they are very just just uh, not known band at all. They only released two albums ever. They have like about 200 monthly listeners on Spotify. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. So um, and we decided, well, why not try that again? Um, so we're not gonna, I'm not gonna give you all the fanfare of trying to guess who it is, because, um, if you know who it is, congratulations, but, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> um, but this, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the pleasure of trying anyways. This was released in September 1st of 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polydor was the, um, the label. And it is Haystacks Balboa. By Haystacks Balboa. Mm-hmm. Um, very small band. Polydor as a label is known for picking up these really small bands um there's a lot of they have they would always release a lot of singles with these small bands I'm not really sure why I mean it's cool that's cool I was gonna say that's a cool thing to do but, yeah um, I, I almost, it almost makes me wonder if Polydor wasn't like a subdivision of a bigger of a bigger uh, cause like you know label. yeah at that point you wouldn't shell out your money to these little bands that Gonna give you you didn't think we're gonna, yeah, yeah. That you don't think are gonna do anything, so. So it, yeah, it makes you feel like it must have had been a branch of their label. Mm-hmm. But anyways, did we mention this is one and only album, one and only studio album? Yep. Um, but we'll go ahead. We'll get the track listing for you guys before we get into kind of what the meat, the meat and potatoes of this band really is about. So yeah. Uh, for side one, we have a spoiler: the Children of Heaven. Uh, Bruce's Twist and Auburn Queen. So four tracks for side one, and then I'm gonna go ahead and get straight into side two here. We have Sticky Finger, uh, Ode to the Silkman, Tell Me a Story, What Would Happen. That's the like. That's the whole song. The whole song title, um, and then the last song, Riverland. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to kind of explain kind of the feel of what this band is, since I'm sure not many people know exactly. Yeah. So. When I was listening to this band, I thought of the band Mountain. I Their big song was Mississippi Queen. I thought songs like Spoiler definitely had that mountain, huge 
uh, early 70s sound to them. And, um, but they do get slower with, I feel like they get slower as the songs go down the, uh, Yes, as it keeps going, I agree. And honestly, um, they have a progressive sound to them, I think. Yeah. I really think they do. I, um, yeah, some of their songs just kind of go in that progression where they get bigger and bigger towards the end. I agree with that. I do agree with that. And I do, I would say some songs have a progressive yeah, not, not all of them. I wouldn't say all of them do. Like, Spoiler, I know, does not have that yeah. progressive uh, sound to it. Um, Bruce's Twist does. Mm-hmm. It has that... Um, oh, man. It has that... It, it's, it's, it's like, it's, I'm sure it's an organ. Yeah. Um, but it sounds... It's, it's like an organ with like a weird twang to it. Like, it starts halfway through the song or something. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I, I, I didn't, I was like, that's probably an organ, but it might not be. Yeah, I tried, so I tried looking up what these instruments were in this band, but the only problem with, like, little bands like this... You don't get... There isn't jack shit on information for them. Yeah. So what you get is, like, this guy played organ, and that's it. Well, you know, there's probably more instruments <laughs> in more. there. I'm, sh- I would, I'm assuming there's more. And it even could have been him just, like, messing around with his organ. Like I, that's I'm true. Not a hundred percent sure on that, but I do know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was gonna say that's that's an element I would say of progressive. Um, there's on the the song Auburn Queen, just the song mm-hmm. uh, itself. That is progressive, right there. Yeah, that's a pro- that's a very progressive rock sounding song. Yeah. Uh, changes changes tune like three different times. Um, lots of different instruments, all coming in at different times. Yeah, very progressive on that one. Um, and then, how do you feel about side two? I like side two. Mm-hmm. I think I like it over side one, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like Sticky Finger. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's the hitter on this side. Yeah, Sticky Finger, which it kind of surprised me that it wasn't a hit or it wasn't the single off of this album. I mean, obviously I knew it was spoilers, uh, but. I, it kind of surprised me that Bruce's Twist was the B-side of the single. Yeah, I I would have guessed it would have been Sticky Finger, mm-hmm. but I guess, yeah. And I think one thing I do like about this band is like their slower songs. And this is kind of the problem with Spoiler for me, is the vocals are much clearer in their slower songs, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked to, I feel like we beat this horse plenty of times, but these smaller bands that kind of have a hard time of getting their vocals pushed through the mix very well. And, um, I think on Sticky Finger, it's pretty solid vocal work. It's It's better. It's, yeah. it's better than what you get from Spoiler and The Children of Heaven, especially. Yeah, The Children of Heaven is kind of hard to understand. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and then, I guess... You know, there's similar things you could say about Ode to the Silkman yeah. and Riverland. You'd say similar things about them. Um, I will admit when they um, when they repeat something in Ode to the Silkman, um, I can't remember what the phrase was that they repeat, and it starts to go off of the. Uh, it doesn't match like the beat or anything. Yeah. It threw me off really yeah. hard. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, this sounds really weird." Yeah. And maybe it was on purpose. I'm going to assume it was on purpose. I'm going to assume it was on purpose. You kind of have to do that on yeah. purpose, right? But Which I think gives it an interesting sound. I, I can't say I hated it going off like that. 
But at the same time, I don't know if it was the best thing. It didn't make it better, but it didn't make it worse. Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just kind just... of like it matched the song, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's... I don't know. I, I guess that's true. I, I, there's nothing really too particular about it that makes it stand out better. It's mm-hmm. just kind of there. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, I... I personally, this is not an album I would go back to, or not an album where if somebody was like, hey, this sounds like Haystacks Balboa, I probably wouldn't be a big fan of whatever album they're recommending. Um, Outside of, like, Bruce's Twist and Auburn Queen, this album is kind of a miss for me. Yeah, I think... I know you're more positive about it than I am. Yeah, I think Spoiler was... It's really loud for me, but I don't know. It's kind of a chaotic song, and I kind of like that about it, which is weird for me because I normally don't like chaos in my music, but I think it does a pretty good job. It but, kind of reigns it in. Yeah. It's not complete chaos. It's it's it, kind of controlled. Yeah. And um, I think it was liked for, because it was loud, and... Um, like I said, I think this is probably the song that if there's an influence from Mountain, which that was the big Rise Up band at the time, mm-hmm. I think this is the song that they tried to uh, implement that sound in, that loud guitar riff sound. And um, yeah, I, I think this album's decent. I wouldn't say it's great. I wouldn't say it sucks. It's kind of a myth. I still think Sticky Finger is a really good song. Yeah. Um, but, uh... I just can't... I can't find myself... Or I find myself not saying... Not being able to say too many great things about it. One thing you mentioned, though, um... The use of the organ. Yes. I think really has a high impact on this album. I did mention that. I think I was saying that without the organ, I probably hate this album. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think the organ really does a good job on this album. Yeah. I it, like it a lot. It does a great job, I think, and it's 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 a it's a small part. I understand that. It's not the whole album. It's not organ all the time, but it's it, they do it act they they do it very well. I think that's one thing they do well, and I like the organ presence throughout the entire album. Mhm. I agree. Because I don't think it's off. I'm pretty sure there's an organ in every song. Yeah. Which, um, I guess that could segue us into the dudes yeah. that were involved in this album. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Scott on vocals, Mark Harrison Mayo on electric and acoustic guitars, um, Lloyd Landsman on organ. I'm sorry if I butchered this name. Mark Pollott on uh, bass guitar, and then Mark Bambini on drums and uh, percussion work. Three marks. Three marks? I didn't even know that. In the same that. band. Jesus. How'd you guys meet? Well, <laughs> our name's Mark. Our names were Mark, so they sat us next to each other in class. <laughs> yeah, I. that's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to say, Lloyd, Lloyd Lansman, he saves this album for me, his organ work. I will admit, I just kind of remembered something. Oh, God. The bass in this, so- in this album... I noticed it was not very great. Like when I when I hear bass, I kind of want it to be. I get what you, yeah. add more atmosphere to the song, but also make it like another 
uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words. Like another dimension of the song. Like, okay. I'm going to say something. You can back me up if you want. The bass in this album, if you took it away, it's largely the same album. Yes. But that's, that's not what you want from a bass. No. The you, bass guitar is, I think... So, you could argue that, like, you know, Chris Squire has, like, flat bass tones and all that from Yes. Um, the difference is, is his cut through the mix. They mix... They mix the... Like, Chris Squire is perfect. And um, I think here it wasn't mixed. Either it wasn't mixed good enough or... He Something just has went wrong. Or bad if, tone. Yeah. Which I would be surprised if not only he had bad tone, but everybody else had bad tone, so they didn't notice his bad tone. That'd be very that surprising. Be. <laughs> That'd be very surprising to me. But um yeah, I just I think the absence of the bass guitar was kind of a big letdown for me on because I don't know, it could be biased. I like bass. I play bass. This man owns like four basses, he plays all of them. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I want to hear a good bass. I want to hear some good bass. Yeah, I don't want it just to be flat and like... Yeah. it's Bass cannot be removable. Yeah. It cannot be removable. If a bass is removable on an album, it's not... And you're going for this classic rock feel, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, it's it's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that. So that gives, it, that gives everybody something to talk about there. And yes, we just... Kind of shit on these guys, but... <laughs> I do encourage you to go listen to yes. it. It's, it's something else. It's something else. It's different from what we normally go into. And it's much like... It's a discovery listening to these little bands, really. Yes, I agree. It's a huge discovery. And when you find bands like this, it's a really a treat, kind of, to go into it and listen, because you're almost expecting something new every time. Yeah, it kind, it kind of... Uh... It's funny because to me it kind of uh, it's like a looking glass into the time period, like maybe what was the trend that they were living through? Because these guys are trying to hop on it. Yeah, these guys are trying to hop on the loud yeah. kind of. I wouldn't say glam rock sound, but definitely the more mountain, you know, loud guitar fuzz yeah. sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that these little bands are definitely more of an adventure than these big bands for mm-hmm. sure. And that's that's what makes them so good. That's, that's the beauty like in it. Yeah. Um, even though we can't find anything about people and what they played, <laughs> we've got like four instruments on here. I'm sure there's more than four. I think the only person I could find like some information on was uh, Lloyd Landsman. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's just because it, he was like a multi-instrumentalist and he was involved in another band called Cheese. Yeah, okay. So I can see that. Um, but yeah, that is Haystacks Balboa. Um Balboa is spelled B-A-L-B-O-A. Yeah. And then Haystacks, obviously. That's how um, you spell Haystacks. Um, that's, that's them. That's yeah. the men. That's their one and only album. It's their title. It's uh, titled after them. So go give it a listen. I would I, I mean, Again, I'm not going to not recommend you guys listen to any of these albums. I will always recommend them because there's always fun in them. Uh, but with that being said, we do have a third album to cover. Yes, we do. We always do. We never leave you hanging. No, we don't. Um, so we're just going. We're going. We're 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 kind of time traveling here. Uh, big time travel right here. Fourteen years. Big time travel to a big band. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we are in uh, 1984. If you can't do math, um, it's this band's fifth studio album. Um, their label is Electra. Uh, I don't know if we... Have we done an Electro label yet? I want to say we have. 
but I couldn't tell if you. If we have, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you who it was. Um, but anyways, I'll give you time to simmer over that. Um, it's by the cars, so that should really reveal what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Heartbeat City. Yes. Um, Their fifth studio album. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite studio album uh, from the cars. That's why we're it's basically why we're doing this. I just asked, I asked Cole, what's your, you, you listen to the cars? And I was like, my favorite like heart- the cars. Of course he has. I don't know why he even asked that, but my favorite is Heartbeat City. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and a lot of them, you can probably uh, think of six reasons because they had six singles yeah. uh, out of this album. Um, but we'll start, we'll just start from side one, we'll keep it simple. So we have Hello Again, Looking for Love, Magic, Drive, and Stranger Eyes. That is side one. Um, if you know the cars, you know what they sound like. Yeah. If you don't know the cars, that's pretty surprising. I don't believe you. Um, yeah, I 100% don't believe you. We I don't believe you at all. Same um, boat with uh, if you don't know who Creedence is. Yeah. You're lying through your teeth. You're lying. Um, two completely different eras, but two completely recognizable bands here. What, mm-hmm. in your opinion, gives gives the cars, in this album especially, I guess I should say, um, what do you like so much about Side One? Um, Drive is a really... Uh, I'm not into the big lovey songs of the 80s. And yeah. um, Drive really um, does a very good job. But I also wanted to highlight Magic. Because one thing the Cars do did so well was they, um, they blended like rock riffs with synthesizer sounds. And um, Magic is another perfect example of that. It's it's a beautiful example. It has that very hard riff by uh, Elliot Easton and um, those synthesizer in the background. It just sounds so it good. It sounds so good. I think this is it's the synthesizer work that really brings it out. Last time, last band we went over with the synth was what was probably um, was probably uh, 1984. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's probably right. Uh, ironically, the same year this one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Hello Again, incredible opener. It's an incredible opener. Um, not the best song in the album, I would say, but it's a good opener. Again, Looking for Love. It's more that love stuff from the 80s, which is very recognizable, and basically every band had at least one love song in their, in their album in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we've mentioned Magic and Drive, Drive's got to be my favorite. I agree. Drive has absolutely got to be my favorite. Stranger Eyes, another great one, but Drive... Drive seems more like a 1970s song than it does an 80s song. Yeah, it seems like a 70s pop song. Yeah. I would describe this band in general as pop rock, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's definitely pop rock. Yeah. They're, uh... They definitely had a tone change over their, uh... Yeah, this is their fifth one. It's definitely yeah. different from the late 70s debut they had. If you know what that is, then yes, you'll know that it's very different. I hope they know who that is. I didn't that know that, that is. That that's, a, that's another great album. Um, but let's go on to side two just so, just so you can fill you guys in. Side two starts with You Might Think, It's Not the Night, Why Can't I Have You, I Refuse, and Heartbeat City. Mm-hmm. Um... 
I had three more singles. Each side had three singles. Kind of, yeah. kind of crazy how well this fucking uh, album did. Pretty um, nuts. You might think another great song. It's there's so many songs on this album that make me want to learn guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that make me want to buy a guitar. You might think is one of them. Um, Drive is one of them. Yeah. There's in magic is another magic's one for another me. one. Yes, it makes me want to buy a guitar. Because, mm-hmm. my God, I can just... I can picture myself playing that guitar to this song for, like, hours. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it is. Um, but, uh, not... It's not the night. I think it's another... That's another love song, I believe? Mm-hmm. It's another one Yeah. It kind of has that feel from the instruments, too. Mm-hmm. Just from the overall sound. Um, and then, Why Can't I Have You, obviously... Uh, and then, but you can kind of tell from the title, Heartbeat City, that maybe this is going to be an, al- an album with some love songs in there. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely think that's one of those hint things where it's like, oh, you're getting what you, yeah, look you get at the what title. you paid for. Yeah. Essentially. Um, uh, Heartbeat City though, final, it's the final track. It's the title track. Uh, is it the only, it's the only album so far out of the three that actually has a title track. Yeah. Um, not my favorite, actually. I agree. Not my favorite. It's very slow. Very not pop compared to the rest of it. It's it's still pop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very slow. Very romantic, almost. But in a weird way? I don't know. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Um, yeah, not my favorite from the album overall. Um, but with that being said, you know the songs. You probably knew the songs before I told them to you. Um, but let's go over maybe some band members. Yeah. Uh, that you might not have known. So, so um, Rico Kasich was, uh, on this album, the main vocalist, um, and the, uh, rhythm guitar player. Uh, Benjamin Orr only had vocals on, uh, Drive, and, uh, he did bass guitar. Elliot Easton was the lead guitarist, and he did backing vocals also. Greg Hawks was the, uh, keyboardist. He, uh... Had some vocals in there, and then a Fairlight CMI computer. Weird. Weird um, yeah, so it was basically a, di- a completely digitalized synth. Yeah. Which was pretty, you know, for the 80s, it was pretty yeah, new. mid-80s, that's new. Um, both him and David Robinson, their drummer, helped um, program that, which is, I thought oh, it was pretty cool. cool. I thought it was worth a mention. Yeah, that's so I just really I think cool. it's really cool. Um, uh, so we mentioned bass when it came to Haystacks Balboa, big talking point. Mm-hmm. So we have Ben Orr here and his bass. How do you feel about that? I like his bass. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, um, I think his bass can be a little bit lost in the mix too. I agree. I was going to say. But I think the points when it comes out are pretty solid. Yeah. I was going to say there's a lot of times within this album where you second guess yourself and you're thinking is, is this song even have a bass mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it happens in this album it does happen Yeah, I know it's great but there's some points in there um, but yeah I agree um, when, he, when he needs to shine he definitely does yeah and um, that gets me to my overall I have a complaint with this album and I think it's because this might be a little biased because the first Cars album I ever heard was their debut I think this is a little too pop for me. 
Which might be why. Okay. Continue. So, the songs that go hard are the ones that I like. You know, like Magic, you might think, that have that really rock guitar riff sound to them, but also have, like, pop background. Um, I just don't really think the, uh, like, Drive really works for me. I just don't think really the rest of them that have that more pop sound work for me. Okay. I can... I can see where you're coming from. There's songs, there's certain songs in this album where you can say, like Drive that you mentioned, it's more rock than pop, but then there's songs like Hello Again, Stranger Eyes, It's Not the Night, and I would even say Heartbeat City, where it's more pop than rock. Mm -hmm. And yes, and that might be why I enjoy this album so much, because unlike you, I only recently got into classic rock like it's a yeah. brand new thing for me and um while i had heard some songs like the popular songs when i was a kid obviously but we were more of just like a turn the radio on whatever's on the radio it's probably something like pop mm -hmm. so i grew up a pop kind of kind of guy like that's just what i listened to. it was it was on the radio and that's really all i ever listened to was pop so i think maybe why i prefer some 80s stuff is because of the pop, that pop element. It, it It's prominent in this album. It's prominent, I would even say, not to the effect in this album, but there's even some pop elements in um, Brothers in Arms. Yeah. Which we've, which we've, if you don't remember, we went over that album in like episode two or three, something like that. But yeah, released um, Brothers in Arms, uh, that was the release in 85, I think. 85 or 86, it yeah. was one of the two. And, uh, yes, while it's not nearly as much pop as this album, definitely has some elements like that. And I think it's j it's purely because of how I grew up. And that's why I'm attracted to more pop stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And I get what you're saying when you say, yes, I like dr Drive Magic. They have that, um, that classic rock feel, but Drive is the only one that, like, you feel anything from. Like that's the yeah. only thing that really gets it's your turns your turns your music ears on is that one. Yeah, and I think that's more of a just me listening to rock, me liking you know just the more rock oriented yeah. stuff, and not. I've I'm sure I've mentioned this multiple times. I'm a progressive rock guy. Progressive rock does not really dive into pop. If it does, no. it's more of your Asia. It's stuff like that's that. That's a very rare example, basically. And, yeah, basically. And um, I'm just more a big fan of the pure element of rock. Yeah, and this is not that. And I think you can mix um, pop and rock really good. Like, their debut, I think they did it perfect. Um, but I think they obviously went for a more pop-oriented sound Which with is, this album. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. It's, it's very obvious, and it's a lot. If you know, if you know the debut the debut album, you know what we're talking about when we say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you could you just kind of have to know that sort of stuff. We're not gonna explain it all, but yes, it, it definitely has more of the rock feel that you enjoy, and I do enjoy their first album. I do like it, and honestly, ask me ask me in five days, ask me in two weeks, ask me in two months. I could have a different answer to what my favorite Cars album is, and it could—it's probably the debut album because yeah. the more I listen, 
to all of these albums that we're going into. The more prog rock I'm going to listen to, more late 60s stuff, more even like late 70s is going to be a lot different than this. It's all going to... I'm going to become more accustomed to it. And hearing these pop sounds now, I like him. But again, after we do the next 30 albums, you come back and ask me how much I like the Cars and Heartbeat City, it's probably not as much as I used to. So right now I'm really high on it, but I think that's mainly just because of my background and, yeah. and into pop and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it could very well be that you still like it by the end of yeah. the next 30 episodes, yeah. or 30 albums. Um, obviously, yeah. That's that's also a possibility. And it's 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 something we'll see. It might it might grow on me in in the wrong way. Might I don't know I don't know what to call that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I right, as of now I enjoy it, and I can see, but I can see why somebody like you would prefer their original album. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I can I can see that. Um, but mm-hmm. that is Heartbeat City by the yeah. Cars, um, and that is all three albums for today. Yeah. Um, we had some heavy hitters in there, mm-hmm. some really heavy hitters, some really popular um, ones in Heartbeat City and in Willie and the Poor Boys, and then we had a little a little gem, a little yeah. gem in the rough, a there. little hidden gem, diamond in the rough. Yeah, uh, with Haystacks Balboa, I would say more like a sapphire, maybe not. not yeah, a diamond. I don't want to say diamond. <laughs> I don't want to say diamond, but you know, point point still stands. Um, the diamond I, in the rough is definitely Nantucket. Oh yeah, that is for sure. That is. If there is something if more there was something, than a diamond, yes. I think that would be Nantucket. Oh yeah, it has to be more than diamond. It's so good. Um. Anyways, that's we're we're not sorry. Not here to talk about Nantucket. Yeah, we just bled it in there. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Um. But man, I feel like we have to do a small band like once an episode because they're yeah. so interesting. I like looking at them. I like they're listening so to them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, really, really unique. Always. Always unique. Um, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Classic Rock Talk. We had fun. Um, next time, we might be ready with the next episode sooner rather than later because we are just going to be ranking. It's not really ranking. We're just going to be kind of listing our favorite out of the 30 albums we've done so far. Yeah. Um, so that'll probably be ready ready before you know it. Yeah. Um, with that one. Um, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Classic Rock Talk. I had fun. We I had, had fun, fun, too. We always have fun. Um, we will see you guys next time where we go over some of the favorites that we've done so far. For the uh, 30 album special. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, we will see you guys then. Yep. Bye-bye.